Gemara Erubin has been sponsored by Mr. Isaac Jamal and his wife Celia for their success, for their children's success, health, happiness, beracha, parnasav, atzlaha, bechol maaseh yedehem. Daf Yud Dalid. Today's daf has been sponsored by the Asa family in honor of their parents, Yosef and Norma Asa. Hashem Alehem Yehyu. Today's daf is being studied, the Ailun Ishmat, Hakam Baruch Rafael ben Miriam and Abraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem, Tanihem began Eden. Amen. We are beginning on Yudimal Amudet Ati Mishnah, which is five lines from the bottom. And we begin. Now we learned that in a Mavui, there are different type of adjustments. One adjustment is called a Korah. A Korah is a cross beam that goes on top from wall to wall. Now the Mishnah teaches us what is the width of that Korah. So the Mishnah says it has to be as wide, Kedel lekabel ariyah. The width, the amount to hold a ariyah. Now what is an ariyah? So the Mishnah says, Ve'ariyah chatsi levana shel shelosha tefahim. An ariyah is a half of a brick that is three tefahim long. Which means... An ariyah is one and a half tefahim long. So that's the shi'ur of the Qur'an. It has to be wide enough in order to hold on it a brick that is one and a half tefahim. Now if you look at your picture books, at picture number 99, you see your Qur'an going across, and they're placing this ariyah, this one and a half wide uh, so a board it looks like, and they're placing it on the Qur'an. Now obviously, uh, if you're, uh, 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 the Gemara is going to tell us that the Qur'an only has to be the size of a tefah. If it's a tefah wide, it can hold one and a half tefah of ariyah. And the Gemara will explain how that's so. Daya le tefah. The Mishnah says it's enough. For the Qur'an to be one tefah wide, in order to receive and hold a one and a half tefah brick on its width. Obviously it's going to overlap on both sides a little. Now the logic for this wide has to be able to be to withstand the brick that she says, which means you're trying to create a quasi-wall over here. So by putting the Qur'an across, it has to have the width where you could place bricks, so to speak, building structure on top of it. So again, the first deen of the Mishnah is that the Qur'an has to be at least a tefah wide in order to hold an ariyah. What is an ariyah? Half a brick, which is three tefahim. Half of three tefahim is one and a half so the Gemara says, Again, the Mishnah reiterates, it has to be as wide in order to hold half a brick. It has to be sturdy enough 
in order to hold and carry the weight of an Ariyah. Not that you actually have to put a brick on this Korah, but it has to be sturdy enough to hold it. For example, let's say it was made out of paper, or was made out of... No, we didn't discuss the thickness yet, we're just discussing the width of it. Now let's say it was made out of paper, for example. So obviously it cannot hold the uh, weight of a brick, so that would not be considered a good Korah. So that's to be Ariyah. Now, Rabbi Yehuda argues, he says, Yes, it has to have the width of a tefah. Even though it's not sturdy. He doesn't hold it a sturdy rule. And he goes on to say, Let's say the Quran was made out of straw. Or is made out of reeds, which is very uh, weak material. Rabbi Yudah says, we look at it as if it is metal. So Rabbi Yudah subscribes to the theory of Ro'in. Meaning, even though it is not uh, metal, but since it has the proper width, we treat it as if it is a full-fledged, legal, strong Korah. Akuma, let's say your Korah is bent. What does bent mean? If you look in your picture books, at picture number 100, you see the Korah goes on a slant. Upward. It starts at the end of the wall, and it goes up. It's on an incline going up. That's called a Korah that is Akuma. So the Mishnah says, Ro'in ota ki peshuta. Again, Rabbi Uda's opinion, we look at it as if it is straight. Even though it's not. You imagine as if it's leveled, and therefore the Korah is okay. Next Dean. Agula. Let's say your Korah is round. Meaning it's uh, cylindrical. Ro'in ota ki We look at it as if it is squared. Meaning, if you look at your picture books, at number 101, you see over here, a Korah that is rounded. Now, a Korah that is rounded obviously cannot hold anything on it. It cannot hold not a brick and not half a brick on it. So the deen of the Mishnah is, if you have a round Korah, so you look at it as if it's squared, which means you square it. Now, the only question is, you need, as we learned earlier, at least a tefah in width. So the question is, how do you convert circular measure into a straight measure? So the Mishnah says, the Mishnah actually gives us a mathematical rule. And that rule is that so long as you have in the circumference of a circle three tefahim, so the width of it is going to be one tefah. So so long as you have a round Korah, that its circumference is three tefah, you know then that the um, width of that structure, of that log, is going to be one tefah. If you look in your picture books, you see it. You see over here the round Korah. So they're drawing you the circle around the circumference of it. It's three tefahim, that's called hekef. So when you have a hekef of three tefahim and you draw a line from one side to the other side, in its width, it's going to be one tefah. So then you do have the minimum height, the minimum width, I should say, of a tefah. Even though it's round, 
but you look at it as if it was squared. So remember, we gave really three cases of Ro'in. The first case of Ro'in was the case where it was weak, which means it's a made out of cash, or it's made out of a type of weak material, but we say we consider it as if it is metal. The second one was the Akum case, where it's on an incline, we look at it as if it is straight. And the third case is the round Quran, we look at it as if it is squared, so long as it has a circumference of three tefahim, then we say it has the width of one tefah. And now, the Gemara begins. Tefah! How could you tell me in the Mishnah that the width of the Qur'an is only a tefah? Tefah umeh It should need a tefah umeh Because didn't you tell me in the Mishnah that it has to be wide enough in order to hold an ariyah? And the width of an ariyah is half a brick of three tefahim, which is one and a half tefahim. So you're contradicting yourself. You told me it has to be wide enough to hold an ariyah. And an ariyah is one and a half. And then you tell me the shoot is a tefah. How does that work? So the Gebarah says, Kevan derachav lekabel tefah. Since it's wide enough that I can hold a tefah. Idach hatsi tefah malbin lebetina. Mashu mehaigisa. Umashu mehaigisa vekaima. The Gebarah says, Since it's wide enough to hold a tefah. The other half a tefah. You, Gemara says, it's as if you take some tar or some cement and you place it at the end of the sides of the beam in order to make sure that the uh, brick does not fall off and a little of the half a tefah will overlap on one side and the other side of the half a tefah will overlap on the other side, the kaima, and it will able to stay. Not that you have to put any cement there. It's just saying that there is a way... To keep a tefah and a half brick on a tefah wide korah. If you would go and put a little cement on the side in order to keep it from falling, the overlapping on both sides of a half a tefah, which is, would be a quarter of a tefah on one side and a quarter of a tefah on the other side, if you look in your pictures, you would see uh, back to the original picture in 99, where you see the korah is a tefah. And indeed, the ariyah is a tefah and a half, and it's overlapping a little on both sides. But that is considered sufficient. I have it in that way. We're following this book over here. So comes the Gemara and says, Amar Rabah Bar Ravuna. Korah she'amru, the Korah that we're mentioning over here, Tzirika she'teh biri'ah, it has to be strong and sturdy. Kedeh lekabel ariyah. Like we learned, it has to be sturdy. The opinion of Tanakamana of Al Mishnah has to be sturdy enough to hold a brick. Meaning, we have what's called Ma'amide Kora. Let's say you didn't have the wherewithal to put the Kora on the sides of the walls. Let's say you put up uh, poles. And you're going to put your Korah on top of the poles. So Rabah's opinion is, the poles do not have to be strong enough to hold a Korah plus a brick. When it comes to the poles, they only have to be strong enough to hold the Korah. But the Korah itself has to be strong enough to hold a brick as well. But when it comes to the poles that are holding the Qur'an, we don't put the same stringency. The poles just have to be strong enough to hold the crossbeam.
But the cause beam itself has to be sturdy enough in order to potentially, because you're not putting a brick on it, potentially able to be strong enough to hold a brick. So comes the Gemara and says, V'rav Hazdamar, Ehad zev, ehad zev, sirichin shiu biriin kedeh lekabel korav ariyah. Rav Hazda argues. He says, not only does the korav have to be strong enough to hold an ariyah, but the ma'amideh korav, the poles that are holding up the korav, also have to be strong enough to hold a korav plus an ariyah. Comes the um, Gemara and continues. Again, the logic of the first Rabbi Rabbah is because the main adjustment of a Mavui is the Qur'an, not the Ma'amideh Qur'an. The Hekir has to be in the Qur'an itself. So I don't care if the Ma'amideh Qur'an is not that strong. Therefore, it doesn't demand it to have the same sturdiness as the Qur'an itself. Amar of Sheshat. Let's say you put a Qur'an on top of the Mavui. Ufaras alea mahasilit. And let's say you took a mahasilit, let's say you took a, uh, a mat, and you draped it over the Qur'an. Now, the front of the mabui is actually covered with a wall, meaning it's draping down close to the floor. So the Gemara says, karka But it doesn't drape all the way down to the floor, this mat. It's above three tefahim from the ground. So the Gemara says, in kan, in kan. By doing that, you have nothing. Your Qur'an is invalid, and it's not considered that you have a wall either. Why? Qur'an in kan deha mixiya. See, the Qur'an you don't have because it's covered. What's the whole purpose of the Qur'an? It's hekir. In order that it should be a noticeable uh, difference for the people in the mavui or outside the mavui. But once you drape it, you don't see anything. It's covered. So your Qur'an is... Non-viable. Mechitza in kan. And your mechitza also is non-viable. Because you could argue and say, what do you mean? I have a fourth wall. <laughs> there's, a, there's a draping of a wall that's going down on the fourth side. It says, no. Because since it's above three tefahim from the ground, it's not a wall because the goats are able to walk in and out. A wall is an item that interferes and stops traffic. Here, since the goats can walk in and out, because it's not doesn't reach the floor, so therefore it's not considered a mechitzah. So by draping it with the ma'atzelet, you did worse. You took your uh, viability of your Qur'an out, and also the mechitzah is not considered a mechitzah. Tanu Rabbanan, we have a braita. Qur'an, hayyutz'am mi kotel which means, let's say you have a Qur'an, you have a crossbeam, right? It starts off on one side, but it doesn't reach the other side. It's a short beam, exactly. It doesn't go all the way to the other side. Or or you have two beams. You have two beams, both coming from other sides, right? They don't reach each other. So there's airspace in between the two korot. So the Gemara gives the rule on both these cases. If the airspace, either between the korah and the wall, or between the two korot, is less than three tefahim, then we institute the law of lavud, and therefore they're considered attached. If we do not have to bring another korah to make the adjustment. 
However, if there's more than three tifaqin between the korat to the wall or between the two korat to themselves, sarik lavi korah, and then you have to bring another korah because you do not have the principle of lavud. However, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, pachot midalid and sarik lavi korah, arba sarik lavi korah. As we learned earlier, the opinion of Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel is he holds lavud goes up to four tifaqin. And therefore he says, if you have four tefahim or less, lavud. For there are more, then you need another Quran. So, so mahloket, how much is lavud? Vechem, similarly, the Gemara continues. Bet korot hamatimot. You have two parallel cross beams, korot. Lo bezu kedele kabel ariyach. Velo bezu kedele kabel ariyach. Which means, let's say you have the two uh, cross beams, they're next to each other, but each one is less than a tefah wide. Meaning each one on its own cannot hold the ariyah. However, if both of them, if you put them together, have the width of a tefah, and therefore they can hold a tefah and a half of brick, then you don't have to bring another cross beam. However, uh, if not, you have to bring another Korah. So actually, if you look at your picture at uh, 102, you see you have the two beams over there, right? And they're parallel to each other, and there's a little distance between them. So therefore, the Gemara is saying, if you could place over both of them the Ariyah, and it'll fit, so then already the Mavuy is kashir. Rabban Shimon Megamliel Omer, Im Mekabelet Ariyah Leorko Shelosha, En Sarik Lavi Kora Acheret. Beim Lab, Sarik Lavi Kora Acheret. Rabban Shimon Begazumolinit. He says in such a case where there's a gap in between the two Korot, you can take your Ariyah, your brick, which is three Tefahim long, but it's one and a half Tefahim wide. So you could place the ariyah lengthwise. Now if you place it lengthwise, you get three tefahim to work with. So so long as you could place it on the two korot with the airspace in the middle, and this brick will sit lengthwise, so then already the mavui is kashir. So take your picture, for example, 102, imagine just turning it around, this uh, ariyah, and going lengthwise, so if we have more space in between, still it would be kashir. I mean, you don't have to put it on the width of the ariyah, you could put it lengthwise of the ariyah, on the three tefahim, on both poles, and if it sits nicely, it is considered a proper adjustment. The Gemara continues, Hayu Let's say you had two cross beams, one was high and one was low. For example, a picture 103, you see a mavui that has a korah that's placed on top of the wall, that's the high one, and there's one behind it that is placed lower. Now the Gemara says, uh, what do you do in such a, such a situation? So the Gemara says, now we're talking about where they're very narrow where each one on its own cannot hold an ariyah, meaning each one is less than a tefah. Now, it doesn't help like we learned in the last case, because since they're not on the same plane, 
So it's not even potentially able to lie one across. Because one is high and one is low. So the Gemara says, we institute over here the deen of Ro'in. Ro'in, as we learned in the Mishnah, is we imagine, we see, we make believe. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudalmer, Ro'in et ha'elyona ki'ilu hilemata. You imagine as if the higher one is low, and if you make it low, now it's flush again, now it's even with the lower one, or, or you take the lower one and you imagine if it is elevated, now again it is flush, it is the same level. However, so long as, so long as the top beam is not higher than 20 amma, because we learned earlier in our Mishnah that a Korah that's above 20 amma is pesula. And the lower beam cannot be lower than 10 tefahim. Because we also learned earlier that the minimum wall for a mavui is at least 10 tefahim. So so long as you're within 10 tefahim and 20 amot, you imagine that the beams are exactly parallel to each other, and so long as they can fit an ariyah on it, the mavui would be kasher. Amar abayeh. Abaye comes along and says, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yosef, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, Savala ka'abu behada, he holds like his father Rabbi Yehuda, in one respect, regarding one law, upalig ale behada, but he argues with his father in one law. Savala ka'abu behada, he holds like his father in one law, the eat leroin. He holds of the principle of Ro'in. If you remember, we learned in our Mishnah, it was Rabbi Yehuda that introduced us to the concept of Ro'in, meaning, if you have a Korah that's weak, that cannot hold the weight of an Ari, I said, you imagine if it's a metal beam, or if it's bent, you imagine if it is straight. He was the one that said Ro'in. So we see his son, Rabbi Yosef, also subscribes to Ro'in. Because here where one beam was high, one beam was low, what did Rabbi Yosef say? You imagine as if they are on the same plane. So the Gemara says, well, regarding the logic of Ro'in, that we consider Rabbi Yosef clearly holds like his father. Upalig behada. But he argues on his father in one. Te'ilu Rabbi Yehuda savalimala me'asrim. If you remember in the first Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda held that even if the Quran is above 20 amma, the Quran is keshera and it is a proper adjustment. However, Rabbi Yosef just taught us that only if the top beam is within 20 amma, implying that if it was above 20 amma, it is pasul. So you see, Rabbi Yosef argues with his father regarding the lore of a mavui that has a Quran that is above 20. So he agrees with the Sevarah of Ro'in, but he argues with the Sevarah of Lema'la Mechaf. Because the Biyuda says Kesheran, the Biyoseh says Pesulan. The Gemara continues. The Biyuda Omer, we quote from our Mishnah. The Biyuda taught, Rechaba, if the Korah was wide, Afalpi she'ena biri'ah. So the Biyuda says it doesn't have to be sturdy. We consider it as if it's sturdy. Matni le'erav Yehuda le'chiyabarav kamedirav. Rav Yehuda the Amora learned and taught this Mishnah, Tehiyah the son of Rav, in front of Rav and said, Rehavah, meaning he had the same text that we had. 
as long as it has the width, even though it's not sturdy, it is kosher. Amarle Sorab said no. Rab said no. It has to be the proper width and it also has to be sturdy. Meaning what Rab was saying, Rabbi Uda does not hold uh, the way you're learning. You're holding Rabbi Uda says it doesn't have to be sturdy. You're wrong. Your text in the Mishnah is wrong. The text in the Mishnah is supposed to be Rehava Ubriah. Meaning there's no argument on that subject. Everybody holds it has to be Biriah in uh, in action, not in potential, and therefore uh, your text of the Mishnah is wrong. I'll review to what happened. You had Rav uh, Yehuda. Uh, I came along and said, "Yeah, I have a Mishnah. What does the Mishnah say?" Rehava afat pishena biriah. That's Rav Yehuda's opinion. Rav says, "No, no, no, no. Your Mishnah's text is wrong." Rav Yehuda holds Rehava ubriah, meaning he holds it has to be. Actually strong. Okay, Kanad, we don't say Ro'in when it comes to this. So the guys, what are you talking about? The Amar of Eli, Amar Rav. We have a statement from Rav that clearly says, Rav himself said, so long as the Korah is four Tefahim wide, it doesn't have to be sturdy to hold the brick. So how could Rav tell me just that it has to be sturdy? So the Gemara says, Lechava Arba'a Shani. Says, yeah, there's a difference. If it's four wide, then Rav says, it does not have to be sturdy, because it's four wide. Four to five wide is significant. When did Rav say it has to be sturdy? If it's less than four wide, then already you need the sturdiness. So now we're learning the Gemara as a Hiluk. According to Rav, it depends how wide your Qur'an is. If it's four or more, it doesn't have to be sturdy. Less than four tabarim, then it has to be not only the Chaba, meaning at least the Tefa, but it also has to be Biri'ah, it also has to be strong. The Mishnah said, if the beam was made out of Kash, Kash we said is straw. So the Gemara says, we consider that as if it is metal. So the Gemara says, What are you coming to teach me? You're coming and telling me the Hiddush of Ro'in? Which means, that is the same deen that you just told me. Which means, you told me already a case. You said, if it's not strong enough, right? if it's not Biri'ah, it's okay. What does that teach us? That we consider it as if it's Biri'ah. Meaning, let's say it's a plank of wood that's very thin and it cannot hold a brick. So what do you say? We said in the Mishnah that if it's not strong enough to hold the brick, Rabbi Yehuda says it's okay. Then he comes along and tells me the deen of Kash. If it's made out of straw, it's okay. Why? Because we consider it as if it's strong. What are you repeating the same deen twice for? So the Gemara says, It's the same deen you told me with the, with the plank of wood. So the Gemara says, I might have thought like this. When do you say the Sevara of Ro'in by a plank of wood which it's possible for it to be strong. 
So even though it's not sturdy, but a piece of wood can be sturdy, then you say the Sivara, we look at it as, as if. But by straw, straw can never be sturdy. Straw is always straw. So the illusion you might have thought by straw, you don't say it since in its species it can never be strong. Kamash ma'alan, that even in a species that can never be sturdy, we still consider it if it's potentially, if it was something else, for example, if it would be uh, wood. Would it be able to be strong? Yes. So therefore the cross beam is cashless. That's the idea of cash. Even though in its mean, in its species, you cannot make it biri'ah, still we say the semana of ro'in. Rashi, dibura matchil biri'ah bimina amrina. I'm reading that Rashi inside. Shiragi liyot beotu amin biri'ah. Which is in a case where it's normal for that species to be sturdy. Kegon korashil aitz. Let's say a pole of wood. Even though it's not sturdy, but if it's made out of straw or reeds, where it's normally in its species not sturdy, you say it nonetheless. Comes again, continues. If the if the cross beam, if the Korah is bent. Right, remember we learned in picture number 100 Where your Korah was you know, on a slant So what did Rabbi Yudah say? We imagine if it is straight So the Gemara says Pshita Again, once you're telling me that you hold the Sevrav Ro'in So therefore, say the same thing over here Meaning what? That Make believe that instead of being on a slant Imagine it is Straight. So what do you have to tell me? Once you taught me that you hold of the Sevrav Ro'in, by the case of the not sturdy beam, why do you have to repeat it by the case of the Mavui that has a Korah that is Akum? Say the same Sevrav Ro'in. We look at it as if it is straight. You're repeating the same principle. So the Gemara says, Kamash Malan Zera. So no, there's a big Hadush in this case, like the Bizera taught. Damar Bizera, he betocha Mavui. Let's say you have a Korah. The Korah goes over the Mavui. Like a regular Korah. The Akmimuta chutz le Mavui. But it is warped and the, the, the bend of it warps outside of the Mavui. Picture number 104 has that. Where you have your Korah going across, but it has a bend and the bend is going outside of the Mavui. Or you have another case. He betoch esrim. Let's say you have the uh, Korah, your pole, is within 20 amot, which is legal. That's the legal Korah. However, it has a bend. Let's say, imagine it like a, uh, an upside down uh, V, which is like a, uh, like a cone that's going up. So that cone, that Akmut is above 20. Or another case, or let's say the beam is above 10 tefahim, the opposite way, the V-shape. If the, 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 the warp is going below 10, and therefore it's like a straight line, then you make a V, which goes under 10, and you continue the straight line. So in all these cases, what's the common denominator? You have over here your beam in the right spot, but the akmimiyut is either coming outside the mavui, above 
20 or below 10. So what's the deen? Ro'in, the deen is like this. You say the deen of ro'in. How? And you say, Imagine if you make believe the akmimut is not there. Remove the bend. And if now you have less than three between the two sides of the pole, so then en sarich lavi korah. And you have to bring another korah because we employ the rule of mavu of lavud. So that's already the Hiddush. The Hiddush is when you have your Atmimiyut outside or below or higher, make believe it's not there. So make believe you cut that part off. Now your beam is hanging. If you have within three Tifa'in, you have Lavud. So the Gemara says, Hanami Pshita. That's also Pashut. What does that mean? If you hold the Vro'in, so make believe that it's not there, and we know the laws of Lavud. So the Gemara says, ah, there's a Hiddush here. The Hidush is for picture number 104, where your Akmimut is actually outside the walls of the Mavui. True, you're going to say, make believe it's not there. And you're also going to say that if the beams are within three to five of each other, it's considered closed. But you know what? Bottom line, when you look at it, you see it's outside. So I might have said, Mao de Tema. I would have thought, I might have said you can't carry in such a mavui. Why? Because people might carry beyond the beam underneath the akmimut. Because since it's outside the mavui, they'll follow it. We don't say that. So that's already hadush. Which means you say ra'ui or ro'in even in a case where there's a suspicion that the guy might walk beyond the mavui because he's going to get fooled. He sees the akmimut. So I can stand here. You don't have to suspect that. Comes the Gemara and continues. And the Gemara says, Agula. Right? That's picture number 101. Where your Korah was round. So what do we say? You imagine if it is squared. And we gave a mathematical principle over here. So long as your circumference is three tefahim, it'll have the width of a tefah, and therefore, if you square it out, it can fit a brick on top of it, and therefore it is kasher. Again, by using the principle of matroin, even though it's not squared, you say, we look at it as if it's squared. So Gibraltar says, Ha-tulamali. What do you need this case for? Again, how many times is the Mishnah going to teach us the rule of Ru'in? You told it to me by the case of, doesn't have to be strong. You told it to me even if it is Akmimut, it's bent. Now you tell me again, if it's round. So the Gemara says, no. You don't need it for the case itself, but you need it for the mathematical rule that it taught with it, which is the Sefa. So long as if you have in the Hekef, meaning in the circumference, three Tefahim, Yesh Borahav Tefahim. You'll have in its uh, width a tefah. So that mathematical principle was being taught us. So the Gemara says, How do you know that? Well, this is an interesting question to the Gemara. The Gemara is telling us, How do you know from a biblical source that this principle is correct? Meaning that when that the uh, if the the the, uh, the the width of uh, 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 of the uh, of the of the circle is going yeah. to be the diameter is one to three, meaning the circumference is three times greater than the diameter. How do, how do you know that uh, 
principle. Where is it from? What's the source of it? So the Gemara says, actually we know it from Shiloh HaMelech. We know it from Shiloh HaMelech. Well actually, there is a principle, pi r squared, which we know already, uh, r is the radius of a, of a, uh, of a, uh, of a circle. Right? So already this is uh, telling us similar to this principle. How do you know that it is uh, so? So the Gemara tells us, it's on a pasuk. Amar Yohanan, Amar Kera. Vayaras etayam mutsak. Shalom Melech built around the temple area a very large mikveh uh, of water in order to make it easy for the Kohanim that they be able to dip. So the Gemara tells us the Pasuk of it, it gives us the dimensions of this body of war, this pool that he built. First of all, it says it was Mutzak. What does Mutzak mean? Meaning it was casted in metal. And it was all metal. Eser misfato So it was ten amot long. And the Gemara says, Agul saviv. It was uh, circular. The Hamesh Ba'ama Komato, and it was five Ama tall. So therefore you had uh, ten by by ten. If you look in your picture, you actually see it in 105. Uh, you see the picture over here was ten by ten, and it was five Ama high. And it says, Vekab Shiloshim Ba'ama Yisov Oto Saviv. That says, if you took, as we're going to see, uh, in picture number uh, 106, there was a circular pool as well. And the Gemarat in the Pasuk tells us that if you measured the circumference of the circular pool, it was 30 amot. Now, it's telling you that the length was 10 amot, and the circumference was... 30. So what do you see over here? The principle that we just told you. That when you have a circumference of 30, the diameter is going to be one-third that, meaning 10 amot. Just like we learned in the Mishnah. When you have a pole that its circumference is a three tefahim, then the diameter is going to be one tefah. So we learned it from Shalom HaMelech. The fact that the Pasuk says its circumference of the pool was 30, and it still tells us what? That the length was ten amot, so you learn over here that mathematical principle. So the Gemara says it is not accurate. Why is it not accurate? So the Gemara says, Amara Papa Sefato. What are you talking? You didn't take into consideration the rim itself, which means the ten amot is only the airspace from wall to wall. But you also have the width of the borders. I mean, the border itself has a certain thickness. So therefore, if you take the circumference of the circle, of the pool, it's 30 amot. So the length is not 10. It's 10 inside plus the width of the safa. And therefore, it's not 3 to 1. It's a little more, which means it's really more like uh, you maybe have 11 amot or 12 amot. So that principle is not proven. So the Gemara says now, no question. The Gemara says, Amara Papa, Sefato, Sefat Perah Shoshan Ketivbe. It says the Safa of the pool that Shilamoah built 
was called Perah Shoshan. Perah Shoshan, as she says, Dak Me'od. Very, very thin wall. Keperah Shoshan. Like the, like the petal of a rose. Meaning, it didn't have any thickness to it. So therefore, it's a, it's a clean ten. But the truth of the matter is, it's really not a clean ten still. It's ten plus a little... I mean, if you want to really be accurate and say, the, the measurements here... Alright, so it's not, a, it's not a six foot wall, but it still has a little thickness to it. So the Gemara says, Meaning the safa, its thickness was like the, of course, a, a cup with the thickness of a perah shushan, the petal of a rose. But alpayim bat yachil, and it was able to hold water 2,000 bat. We will see what bat is in a moment. But bottom line, we're now analyzing the thickness of the wall. So the Gemara says, Still, it's a mashu, which means it's not ten amot. It's ten amot plus a mashu. So the Gemara says, Rashi says, what does it mean, Megavai? Megavai literally means that you're measuring from the inside. Meaning, when we measured the circumference, we didn't measure it from the outside. Because if you measure it from the outside, then already you have to include that little extra thickness. But if you measure it from the inside, you bypass the, the thickness of the walls. I don't care how thick it is. So measure the circumference of the inside of the pool was what? 30 amot, without thickness of the walls into consideration, because I'm not counting it from the outside, and therefore measure from wall to wall on the inside, how much was it? 10 amot. So what do you see? Our principle, that when you have a 30 amah circumference, you have 10 amah in the diameter. So it is proven. So comes the Gemara and says, Tanya, we have a brighter. The yam, that uh, body of water that Shilomo constructed, it was able to hold 150 times the amount of water in a regular mikveh. Meaning, in a regular mikveh, you have 40 se'ah, as we're going to learn. This had 150 times that, meaning 6,000 se'ah of water were in the uh, mikveh of Shilamu HaMelech. Now, normally, let's say, for argument's sake, 40 se'ah is about 200 gallons. So you had already 150 times 200 gallons of water in this body of yam that Shalom constructed. So the Gemara says, that's going to give the mathematics of it. Mikveh tahara, mikhdi, let's analyze. Mikveh kamahavi. How much water is in a mikveh? Arba'im se'ah, 40 se'ah. Kidetanya, how do you know that? So the Gemara says, because it says in the Pasuk, Verahat bamayim. It says that the person that's tameh will bathe in the water. What do we learn from the word mayim? Beme mikveh. It has to be, not regular water, but it has to be mikveh water. Kol besaro. The pasuk says he has to bathe his whole flesh. So we learn from that pasuk, shekol gufo, mayim shekol gufo olabahin. It has to be enough water that it's possible to immerse an entire body in. So the Gemara makes the calculation. How much water 
can be enough for a person to immerse his whole body. It is one ama by one ama, three ama deep. So it's one by one by three. That's the shi'ud. Now, that's the shi'ud of area. How much water can you fit in an area that's one by one by three? Good. So you can fit uh, 40 se'ah. So the Gemara says, Let's go back to the pools of Shilomo. The pools of Shilomo were 10 by 10 by 5. So 10 by 10 is 100. 100 times 5 is 500. So you had 500 square amot of uh, area in the pools. So the Gemara says, Hamesh me'od garmide. You had 500 amot. Now we're going to try to analyze 500 amot area. The Gemara told us is 150 times a mikveh. A mikveh's area is 3 amot. Right? 1 times 1 times 3. It's 3 square amma. So now the Gemara wants to make the calculation. The Gemara breaks it down like this. Litlat mea, 300 amma of Shilomo's pool, mea. That'll be the equivalent of 100 mikvaot. Because each mikveh is 3. So in 100 square, in 300 square amma, you could fit 100 mikvaot of 40 se'ah. Now, so how much you have left? You still have 200 amma left over in King Solomon's pools. Right? We already took care of 300. Now, take another 150 amma. How much mikvaot can you fit in 150 square amma? Hamshin. You can fit 50. Because each mikveh is 3 amot. 3 amot and 150 amot is another 50. So already the Gemara says, you have your 150 in 450. But the pools of Shilomo were 500. So the measurement's off. Mm-hmm. So the Gemara says, Be'arba me'av ha'amshi in sagya. In 450 amot's enough. Which means you still have 50 amot in King Solomon's pools that are unaccounted for. So the Gemara says, Halimiri b'ribu'ah. That's if Shilomo's pools were square, then you'd have a question. However, Yam As we saw in picture number 106, the pool of Shilomo was circular. Now we know that the square footage of a circular, of a circle is less than a square. It has to be. Why? Because you lose the corners. So the Gemara says, Mehdi. How much bigger is the square footage of a square over a circle? What's the mathematical calculation? The Gemara says, Rabia. It's a quarter. Meaning, there's a quarter more of footage in a square than in a circle. Now, if you told me that the measurement of King Solomon's pools was... 10 by 10 by 5, which is 500, that's square footage. But we don't need square footage. we got to go with circular footage. Now, if it's circular, you have to knock off a quarter. So therefore, you're ending up really with only 400, not square, but the 400 amot. Because it's circular amot, not square amot. Correct? So the Gemara now says, 
which means take 400 amma, right? Now 400 amma is really 300 amma. Let's review. 400 square is really 300 circular because you have to take off a quarter. How many mikvaot could you fit in 300? Me'ah. Right? You can fit 100. So somebody have 100. Now, lime'ah, now you have 100 left over. Now 100 square is how much circular? 75. Because you have to knock off a quarter. How many mikvaot could you fit in 75 circular amot? Isreem, the hamisha. You can only fit 25, because it's 3 amot per mikveh, in 75 circular amot. So the Gebara says, Hane, so the Gebara has a question, which means, How come you told me that you can fit 150 times of the mikveh? You can only fit 125 times. Let's review. 500 amma is really not 500 amma, because it's circular. How much does 500 amma come out to be? It comes out to be 400, right? Let's analyze. So let, let's analyze how, how, how he calculates it. Take 400. Break it down to 400 and 100. Like the Gemara broke it down. 400 comes out to be 300, and 100 comes out to be 75. So altogether you have 375. How many mikvaot of 3 square can you fit in 375? 125. But the Gemara said you could fit 150. So the calculation uh, is off. So the Gemara says, Tani Rame Bar Yehezkel. So Rame Bar Yehezkel taught, Yam Sha'asa Shilomod. The Yam that Shilomod, the pools that he made, Shalosh Amot Tahtonot Merubaot, Ushtayim Elyonot Agulot. Which means really picture number 106. It was squared and circular. Meaning the height was five amma. The bottom uh, three amot were square. And the top two amot were circular. Like you see in the picture over here. So now let's analyze it ourselves with square amot and circular. The bottom three. So you have three times ten times ten. 3 times 10 is 30, times 10 is 300. So in 300 square amot on the bottom, how many mikvaot could you fit? You could fit 100. Because each mikveh is 3. Beautiful. So that's 100. Now we need 50 more. Well, on the top, 3 amot, so you have 3 amot of circular. So it's 3 times 10. I'm sorry, it's 2. Because it's 2 amot. 2 amot left of circular. 2 times 10 times 10. That's 200, but it's circular. So you have to knock off 25% because you lose the corners. So that takes you to 150. How many mikvot can you fit in 150? 50. Bingo, that's how you get the 150 mikvot in the pools of Shiloh Melech. Based on square amot on the bottom and circular amot on the top. It works out perfectly. How does the Gemaran continues? Nehi granted the ipcha lo matzit amart. Which means, you gave me a fact here. You told me that the square footage on the bottom was three amot. And on the top it was circular. Meaning, 
two amot circular on top. Now the Gebelah says, granted, you couldn't tell me the opposite. Meaning maybe it was circular on the bottom and square on top. How did you know? They give us, you can't say that. You know why? Because it clearly says the, the rim of the pool was round. So we know that the top of it was the round part. But who told you the circular part was two amur high? Maybe it was only one amma. Which means true, it fits in with the mathematics of the 150. But who told you that? So the Gemara says, Lo I would never even think that the height of the circular part was only an amma. Why? Dichtiv. Now we go to the last part of the Pasuk. Alpayim bat yachil. The pools of Shilomo were able to hold 2,000 bat. What is the measurement of a bat? So the Gemara says, Bat kamahavya. How much is each bat? One bat equals three se'ah. How do you know that? Dikhtiv me'asera bat menakur. Ten percent of a kur is a bat. Now we know a kur is thirty se'ah. So ten percent of a kur, which is thirty se'ah, is a bat, which obviously the bat is three se'ah. Now that means, gentlemen, if the Pasuk tells us that the pools of Shilomo were able to hold 2,000 bat. That means they were able to hold 6,000 se'ah of water. 2,000 times 3. Dehavinu shita alfe which is 3,000 se'ah of water. Now, so and therefore the only way you could fit uh, this shi'ur is if you make it with a configuration where the bottom square was three amot and the top circular was two. And therefore it's 6,000 se'ah uh, uh, of water, which is 150 times a mikveh. Because in a mikveh you have 40 se'ah. 150 times 40 is 6,000. So the calculation works perfectly. So the Gemara says, Gemara says, We have another pasuk that says, Mahazik batim shelosha alafim. The sheloshet alafim. The pasuk says that the pools of King Solomon held not two thousand bat, but three thousand bat, which is nine thousand se'ah. So make up your mind: is it two thousand or three thousand? Kemara's answer: Hahu legudsha. That's talking about dry. Dry weight, meaning there's liquid measurement and there's dry measurement. On liquid measurement, you can only fill it to the top. There's no heap. You can't go above, because if you heap it, it falls off. So liquid measurement, if you filled it to the top of the pool, was 2,000 baht, which is 6,000 se'ah. But dry goods, if you'd fill the pool up, you can get another uh, 2,000 baht. Which means you have 6,000 of dry goods to the rim, plus you can fit 6,000 se'ah, I'm sorry, 6,000 se'ah to the top, right? Plus another 1,000 baht, right? What's each baht? Each baht is 3,000 se'ah of heapage, which you have altogether 9,000. So we learn a principle over here. You learn that if you can fit uh, 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 6,000 liquid, 
So then you could fit already a third more of heapage on top, meaning a third of the total number, meaning 9,000. So you're adding 3,000, which is a third of the total number. That's the amount for heaping. Amar Abayin, Abayin learns that. That when you want to know how much you'd be able to heap, it is a third of the total number, which means now you can heap 9,000. So how much do you have on the heapage area? 3,000, which is one third of the total Number. That's the calculation. We have this also in a Mishnah. Shida, Teva, Umigdal. These are different types of containers. Kaveret Akash. You have a basket made out of straw. The Kaveret Akinim, or a basket made out of reeds. Ubor Sefina Alexandrit, or the cistern that's on the Alexandrian boat that they used to use to store water. Even though they have a base, meaning they're a keli, meaning they're able to hold water, or hold goods, they're able to hold 40 se'ah of liquid. Let's take the Alexandrian cistern that's on the boat. How did they drink water on the boat? They needed a storage. So they made this cistern that would hold 40 se'ah of water, Shen Kurayim Biyavish. Now, which would be two kur in dry. Now, how much is two kur in uh, dry? So that she says, Shen Kurayim Biyavish, Shadam Yachol Ligdosh Alma Guchatilta. Which is again, you see over here that the uh, the heapage is again a third of the shi'ud. From the fact that it's saying dry shi'ud, you can hold the kud. How much is a kud? We said the kud is 30 se'ah. So dry goods, it says, it can hold two kud. That's 60 se'ah. While on wet lah, it was only 40. So you went from 40 to 60. So what is that? One third. Which is when you take the full measure of 60, a third of it is... 20, then you have 20 extra on the heapage factor. So comes the Gemara and says, and still, Regarding laws of Tumah Betara, these baskets are Tahor. Why? Because we have a rule that for a keli to be Tameh, it has to be movable. It has to be movable when it's empty, and it has to be movable when it is full. Now these baskets, they're too big. This cistern, you cannot carry 200 gallons of water. So therefore, it's not movable when it is maleh. So for a keli to be tamer, it has to be movable maleh verekan. And since, while well, it can be moved rekan, but it cannot be moved maleh, it deen is tahor. Comes the Mishnah. Lehayayin she'amru. That which we go now back to the other adjustment of a mavui. The other adjustment of a mavui is a lehi. The lehi is the side post. So the Gemara says, these side posts that we talked about, govhan asarat tefaqim. They have to be at least ten tefaqim tall. Veruhban veruvyan kolshu. But the thickness of them can even be a cold shoe, even the smallest, but there is no minimum thickness of the Qur'an. Rabbi Yosei says, no, it has to be at least 
three tefahim wide. So we have a machlokan on the width of the lehi. Comes the Gemara and says, Lehayayin she'amru. The Mishnah's language was the lehayayim, in plural language, meaning the side posts that we mentioned. So the Gemara says, we learned in the previous Mishnah an opinion of Rabili Aizir. Rabili Aizir said that the proper adjustment for a Mavuhi is you need two lehis, one on each side. That was the shita of Rabili Aizir. It sounds like this Mishnah is taking that opinion. Because how did the Mishnah open up? Lehayim. It used the plural language. So from the fact that the Mishnah uses the plural language, Lehayin, it sounds like it's going like Shitat, Rabbi Le'ezid that says you need two Lehis to matir a Mavui. So the Gemara says, no, no, you don't have to say it's going like Rabbi Le'ezid. My Lehayin, why did the Mishnah choose a plural language? It means like this, Lehayin de'alma. just means when it comes to the subject of side posts. It's not committing to the shitad you need to. Just saying, generally speaking, when it comes to the law of side posts, in plural, this is the measurement. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, In the last Mishnah, when you were talking about cross beams, why didn't you say then korot? If you're just talking about general cross beams, why did you specifically say korah? Umay korot, and just say korot, and say korot de'alma. Just talk about regular crossbeam, just like Ovey is saying it. So the Gemara says, Hachi kawa. Now this is what it means to say. Otan lehayin shenechleku ba'en the bidi'ez of ha'chamim. We had a mahlok at the bidi'ez of ha'chamim. The bidi'ez said you need two lehayin. Ha'chamim said you need one. Regarding these lehayin, these side posts that the rabbis and the bidi'ez were arguing on, because they were arguing really about the extra one, do you need it or not? Meaning the Mishnah is not committing to the Bili Aizir. The Mishnah really holds like, how can you that you need one? But when it said the plural, it means, regarding that subject of the Lehayin that they were arguing about, do you need one or two? Govhan, Asarat, Tefahim, the height of them is ten Tefahim, Verohvan, Verovyan, and the length and the thickness of them is a cold shoe. So the Gemara says, Bekama cold shoe. How much is a cold shoe? Even as thin as the string of a coat. Imagine like a little string that comes out of a person's uh, scarf or something. Even the most narrowest uh, amount. Tana, Gemara has a brighter. Asa lehi mavui. Interesting case. Uh, let's say a guy, instead of putting his lehi at the front of the mavui, that is flush to the shoot to he put the lehi in the middle of the mavui. For example, if you look at picture number 107, you see the guy put a lehi mid-mavui. So the Gemara says, En lo mavui. So obviously you can only carry in half the mavui. Only half the mavui is considered adjusted, meaning from the pole and behind it is mutab, but from the pole front is asur. So the Gemara says, pshita. That's obvious. Well, I would think that you're allowed to carry in the area that wasn't adjusted in the front of the mavui. Of course not. So he says, "Ela ema yeshlo hetsi mavui," which means instead of saying "Elo ela hetsi mavui," say "Yeshlo hetsi mavui," meaning he has half a mavui to carry. So the Gemara says, "Wait, wait, 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 w
have the mavui. That's also pashut, which means, isn't it obvious that if you put a lehi halfway through, half it's asur, half it is mutar? What are you telling me? I might have thought that the whole thing should be asur. Because you might come to use both sides. And therefore the hadush is that the stuff, the mavui beyond that lehi is mutar. Because you might have thought it's asur, because when I lie to carry behind it, you might come to carry in front of it. Kamashmala, that it's okay. Amarava, Rava comes along and says, Asa lehi le mavui. Let's say he made a side post for his mavui. Big biyom in akarka shilosha. But he elevated it from the ground three tefahim. For example, a picture 108, you see the mavui is against the wall, but it's more than three tefahim off the ground. Or like in picture number 109, it is more than three tefahim away from the wall. Okay? You did nothing. Number one, why? Because when it's more than three tefahim off the ground, it doesn't reach the ground, and therefore it's not considered a legal lehi. If it's within three tefahim, we have the law of lavud. Lavud is considered a legal side post on the ground. Above, it's not considered are reaching the ground. When it's more than three times off the wall, this side post is not considered an adjustment because we learned earlier in the Gemara, when you have airspace on both sides, the airspace comes along and is mevatel di lehi. So in this case over here, you have airspace on the other one side, airspace on the other side, mevatel, no good. Now, afilu l'rashbag, de'amar amin lavud, even according to Rashbag that we learned early on this daf, that he owes lavud is four tefahim. When it comes to this, he agrees the number is three tefahim. Why? Hanimili lemala. That's only when we're talking when you had a Korah above, and we said it was let's say three tefahim away from the wall. Rashbag said, "I will give you four tefahim away." Well, that's only when you're talking about a cross beam. However, about lemata, but in this case over here, where your lehi does not reach the ground. Here the logic is, it's not considered a wall. Because when your lehi is above the ground, what's the purpose of a lehi? It's like you're making a mechitza. Here, this lehi is above the ground. And we learned when it's above the ground, more than three tefahim, goats can penetrate it. So therefore, the Bible says, forget about lavud, four tefahim. Bottom line, even if it's three tefahim, the goats can get underneath it. Therefore, he only says lavur on top. But lavur on the bottom, he agrees that it has to be within three tefahim. He's not going to employ his four tefahim law of lavur on the bottom. Comes the Gemara and continues. Amar Rav Yosef. Amar Rav Yehuda. Amar Shemuel. En halakha kerebi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef came along and made a rule. He says, we do not follow the rulings of Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef. Lo Not regarding what he said in the laws of Shabbat of Hilmeh, and not regarding what he said in our Mishnah regarding the law of Alehi. Well, let's review one law at a time. What did he say regarding Shabbat and Hilmeh? What is Hilmeh? Hilmeh is salt water. Rabbi Yosef was very strict. When the rabbis came along and said, you're not allowed to pickle foods on Shabbat. Because pickling foods looks like you're tanning leather. 
And therefore they forbade it. Rabbi Yosei came along and said, you're not even allowed to make hilme on Shabbat. Meaning you're not allowed to make salt water on Shabbat. Because even making salt water looks like you're preparing for the tanning process. So Rabbi Yosef says, when it comes to Rabbi Yosef's humrah of not making hilme, we don't go like that. And number two, we don't go like him what he said in the law of Lehi. What did he say in the law of Lehi? We learned it in our Mishnah. It has to be at least three tefahim. Why? Well, Tanakam has said it could even be a kosher. Nabi Yosef said it has to be three tefahim. Why? So Nabi Yosef says, we don't hold with him, not what he said by Hilme, and not what he said by the Lehi. So comes the Gemara and says, Amar bar so Rav Huna tells his rabbi Rabbi Yosef, Behilme amartlan. When it came to Hilme, we remember you told us that we don't go like Rabbi Yosef. no amartlan. But we don't remember you ever telling us that when it came to the Lehi law, that we don't go like Rabbi Yosef. So Rabbi Yosef says, Maishina behilme. Why do you think when it comes to Hilme, I didn't go like Rabbi Yosef? Because the rabbis argue on him. So for the same logic, Lehayiname peligi rabbanan aleh. So what are you talking about? For the same reason why I didn't go like the Rabbi Yosef by Hilme, because the rabbis argue against him. I don't go like Rabbi Yosef by Lehayi, because the rabbis argue against him. So the Gemara says, Amar leh. So they told Rabbi Yosef, Shani lehayin mishum dekaer rabbi kevateh. They said, no, Rabbi, it's different over here. Because true, you have the rabbis that are going to be Yosef, but Rabbi Yosef has a Tanah that agrees with him. And who's that Rabbi? Rabbeinu HaKadosh agreed also that a lehi minimally has to be Titevahim. So they were telling Rabbi Yosef, you know, no, 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 no proof in your logic. Just because you didn't go like Rabbi Yosef and Hilme, because the rabbis argued on it, that's no proof why you shouldn't go like him by the case of Lehi. Because in the case of Lehi, there's a reason to go like him, because he has a B that also subscribes to that opinion. Kemal gives a different version of the story. Rav Rehumeh, a rabbi by the name of Rav Rehumeh, Mat Nihachi. He had his Mishnah the following way. Amar of Yudah Bered Rav Shemuel Bar Shelat Meshemeh De Rav, in halakha could be Yosef. Again, halakha does not follow to be Yosef. Lo behilme, velo belahayin. Again, same thing. Not by hilme and not by the lahayin. Amar le. So they, well, when, when they heard this statement in the name of Rav Lehumeh, the students went to the rabbi directly and said, Amart, did you say such a thing? Amar lehu la. He denied it. He said, I never said it. So Ravad comes along and says, what are you talking? Ha-Elohim Amra, I swear that <laughs> you said it. Not only that, V'gamrina la mine, I learned it from you. Are you coming along and denying it? So the Gemara says, Umay ta'ama kahadarbe. So then why did Rav Rehomeh retract? says, Mishum derbi Yoseh nimuko'imo. Because we have a rule. Whenever the Yoseh says a halakha, it's nimukorimo. He usually supplies a sound, logical reason for it. And therefore, throughout Shas, the Gemara always says, Rabbi Yosef, nimukorimo. With, with this halakha comes a sound logic. And therefore, Rabbi Yosef said, you know, once I learned the, the reason of Rabbi Yosef, so if you tell me that the whole purpose of a lehi is cross of hekir, so it's got to be, you know, a nice hekir, uh, for example, of Tittavahim, which means already it makes a, uh, it makes sense. And therefore, he retracted and agreed to the Biyoseh. The Gemara gives a different version. The Gemara says like this, Amar le Rava ba Rav Hanan 
I'm sorry, that's the Gemara. So the bottom line, what is the halakha regarding mavui? Do you go with Tanakala that says a kol shu, or do you go with a the opinion of Rabbi Yosef? Amale, he answered him, puk hazeh my amadavar. Go see what the people are doing. You don't have to ask the question. Go look what the people are doing. Most people, when they make the lehi, it's a kol shu, and therefore that's the halakha. If you have a question, who you follow? Go look at the people. The people are all putting the lehi on the side post, and it's a kol shu. That's already enough. So the Gemara says this rule of puk hazeh, go out and see. My amadavar, what the people are doing. So the Gemara now is going to give us a different case where this rule of puk hazeh, amay amadavar, also applied. And we learned it in Masechet Benachot. The Gemara says, Some learn that principle of puk hazeh on the following case. If a person drinks water to quench his thirst. Right, so the Benachar Yishunah he makes before he drinks is, Shakon Yalbaro. Rabbi Tarafot learned that the Berachari Shona on water is Borin Fashot. So the Gemara says, Al Kol Mashabarata, fine. Amar le Rav Hanan le Abaye Hilchetamai. So he asked, Rabbi, what do you do? Do you make a Shakol on water or do you make a Borin Fashot on water? So the Gemara says, Amar le Yenserim, Puk Hazeh, my Amadavar. Go out and see what the people are doing. Which means the same thing. Most people obviously are making a shakol on the water. That's the halakha. And that's what we sell there.